0: Welcome to the Principles of Success, Interviewing the Experts, and today's book review is The End of the World is Just the Beginning. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions—that's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder. And this is Peter Zion's fur or most recent book that just dropped. Depending on when I'm releasing this, um, and I just finished reading it, and it'll be back to back with his first book that I really enjoyed. So I'm going to basically leave out the parts that was already covered in the previous book. We're just going to talk about some of the new material. So my first takeaway for this book is the last 75 years have been the greatest moment in all history, especially the last three decades. So post-World War II, America made a deal with pretty much the whole rest of the world that we will bribe you with open global free trade and economic success for everybody if you will stand up to the soviets for us and it worked and it worked fantastically and everybody became super prosperous and the whole world industrialized and globalized and became a a very wealthy place now there was some rough bits involved with the cold war like for instance actual wars like or actual proxy wars like for instance the vietnam war and korean war and all sorts of there was still war that's why in the last 30 years it has been really, really nice because in the last 30 years the Soviets died. So the last 30 years everyone's just been enjoying probably as close to a utopia as it has ever been seen in history. And all this happened because America bribed the world to be their allies. But something really, really tragic happened. America won. There is absolutely no reason for Americans to keep the oceans safe for everyone and to keep the economic tap pumping for everybody else. America's pretty isolated when it comes to the economics of the world. America will be just fine while everyone else starves. That's kind of the whole premise of the previous book. So now let's dive into more of the rest of the book. So, first up because that was kind of a intro. First up, America will barely notice that the world is ending for everyone else. Yes. Um in fact, most of my listeners are American, and all of you have noticed inflation, rising gas prices, food going up, all sorts of fun stuff. So, yes, we will still feel it and are feeling it, but 2, pi- two million people or 2 billion people are going to be facing major food shortages. Oh, no, probably over a billion people will die. America probably won't get that. We'll have food prices skyrocket, possibly. But we're not going to be starving to death. And that's what he means by that. And he says this is despite America's petty petty arguing with each other. Like we are very, we'll be so focused on our arguments with each other that we won't notice that the rest of the world is dying. And in the previous book, he already talked about how America is so perfect, geography is so perfect. So I won't touch on that because I just did that book review in as far as your timeline goes. Uh, So let's talk about some technologies that led to the world we know. The first one is poop, agriculture. To be able to grow food in a set location, the first advanced technology humans came up with was using our own poop to fertilize crops so that way we could eat. The next big one was the water wheel, because then instead of spending hours and hours with a mortar and pestle, grinding wheat into flour we could use a nice little creek to grind it for us, which freed up even more labor. So agriculture freed up labor, um, because wheat is just super easy. And then the water wheel freed up even more labor. So we could start doing things like pottery to store the grains. And then we came up with writing so that way we can track the grains. So that way, and boom, you have civilization. The next big advancement was wind power. We'd already harnessed water power. Now we could, figured out how to harvest wind power with windmills which meant that more locations were available for agriculture because we could grind the wheat where or grind grind the grains in more places than just rivers that we could set up a water wheel so it made more of the world accessible then there was sailing which made transportation much more accessible which both of those freed up even more labor and more free labor meant to mass inventions. And back to geography. Borders became very useful because as we kept inventing things like taming animals, like, for instance, camels to cross the desert and invade Egypt, or sailing ships around the world much, much later, obviously, and conquering pretty much the whole world. I'm looking at you, Europe. Um, having strong borders, like, for instance, mountain ranges, were very useful. And when you had strong borders, it freed up more labor because you didn't have to have as many people patrolling the borders. Deep water navigation, which is being able to travel in the ocean, not just off of the coast of continents, made trade cheap and easy. If If you had it, you could conquer others. If they didn't have it, it was really easy to conquer them. Next, light electricity bought time. Now, instead of working from dawn to dusk, you could work longer hours. And in manufacturing, that was ex- especially useful because you could have multiple shifts of people working. That's is why we have the night shift at fac- at most factories because the machinery costs a lot of money. So now you can maximize the machinery with the cheap labor of peasants. Anyway, moving on. Next up, industrialization. I already started to cover it. Made manufacturing of goods really easy. And then... Oil shrunk the world. Think about it. Before let's let let's go way back before even um sailboats. Before, if you wanted to travel somewhere, you were making fantastic time if your ox was going fifteen miles a day. Now you can fly from middle of America to China, which is on the exact opposite side of the globe, within a day. So oil shrunk everything, which is why World War I and World War II became pretty rough because now the world was much, much smaller and everybody wanted a piece of the pie. And speaking of World War I and World War II, while the rest of the industrialized world was blowing each other up, a new nation was learning how to use water, wind, deep water navigation, industrialization to their advantage... And that nation was the USA. And because everyone else basically demolished each other in World War II, America was the only industrial power remaining. And that's how globalization started, because we made the deal of we'll protect open lanes so that way you can all trade with each other if you stand up against the Soviets for us. Now let's talk about one final technology before we move on from this kind of section, and that is the miracle of irrigation. Irrigation made a whole lot of farmland that would have been useless much more useful, but we'll have to come back to that in a little bit. And depending on how long this is going, because I have a lot of notes on this book, just like the previous one, that might be um, next book review. Anyway, let's talk about early America, like post- But there was a really easy solution. Expand westward. The north was too cold. The south's soil just sucks. But westward was the Great Plains, the most fertile land in the entire globe. So America expanded. The Midwest, the Great Plains, could produce all the food. The north could industrialize and produce all of the goods. And the south, with slavery, could produce all of the materials and cash crops. So, expanding westward became part of American culture, and so we just kept expanding until we became the only nation with major populations on two separate oceans. We have more rivers than any other nation, and they have more ports than the rest of the world combined. In fact, we have more ports that we won't use, or more potential ports that we won't use, in the Gulf of Mexico than the entire coast of, of Africa. Post-World War II, America could have made a bid to conquer the world, but they didn't. Militarily, it would have been expensive. Culturally, American ideals wouldn't allow it. So instead, we bribed the world to fight the Soviets. The alliance brought peace and prosperity the world had never known, and it strangled every other economy into joining it. Until disaster won. Or until disaster struck. America won. And I already touched on that. But industrialization and globalization forced Everyone into the cities and emptied the countryside. Almost everyone lives in cities nowadays. In the, cu- in the country, kids are profitable. In the city, kids cost money, leading to demographic collapse. No kids, no people, no industry, no society. The last 70 years has been an, ano- an, anom- an anomaly, and it's over. It ended two years ago. He talks about all of our isms, like capitalism, socialism... They're all based off of an expanding demographic, so population growth, with more and more being produced, more production, more success. He says that's over. So capitalism, in his mind, isn't going to exist in, in like 50 years because they're all based off of people becoming successful. Now notice I've be- changed my verbiage into, in, according to his book. I disagree with this section, which is why I said that. And with that being over, according to him... There's two economic models in the past that some people might try. Imperialism and slavery, and merchantism. There's only one problem with that. Imperialism worked because one side had guns and the other side had arrows. One side had massive population that was ready for war and the other side did not. There's too many guns and not enough people now. Next up, screw you, COVID, was the opening line of that chapter, and... It's because globalization isn't ending. It's over. COVID sped everything up because everyone shut down. And when you shut things down, the momentum dies. And globalization was only working off of momentum because America already left. America has been out of the globalization protection for a couple of years now. So according to him, most countries will never get back to the level of comfort of 2019. It'll only slowly get worse and worse. America, And that's because of demographic collapse and deglobalization. America has one additional bonus compared to the rest of the world in terms of population because American boomers did something that the rest of the world's boomers did not do. And that was American boomers had kids because America is just so big and spread out that there was room for kids, which means the millennials are a decent sized population. And so we won't have as big of a work forest crisis as the rest of the world next advantage america is a settler nation so the germans the, the german government works for the german people in america the american government works for the citizens of the united states regardless, regardless of race so i just got a really bad case of the hiccups but this episode is almost over and i'm going to do a part two for this b- book so I'm going to try and finish it and hopefully I can um, make it through without too many surprise hiccups making it into the audio. So the U.S. is a settler nation. Mexico and America are perfect partners because Mexican-Americans identify as American. So the population boost that America gets from immigration helps maintain the American demographics. And also, America is an industrialized nation who needs a cheap labor industrializing nation as a partner. So American, like North American continent, manufacturing is going to be okay. That is not the case for everyone else. Asia could make it work, except for there's one little itty bitty problem. All the Asians hate each other. They would much rather see the other nations be screwed over than to work with them. They also have to pretty much import all of their energy needs, a.k.a. oil, from the Gulf. And India hates China in particular. And for China to get oil, it has to pass through India. So China is pretty screwed, and there's a lot of reasons why China's pretty screwed. The Gulf Coast is in trouble because it imports all of its food. They sell oil and import food. Europe's in trouble because... They don't produce enough energy for their needs, and their populations are in heavy collapse. And they also have a lot of socialist policies that are draining their economy. So for most of the old world, and a lot of the South American continent, lots of people are going to die in the dark starving. Because there won't be any energy for lights, and there won't be any food. But hold up, why doesn't Europe just get its energy needs from from the Gulf Coast like they've always done and the Gulf Coast in or the Gulf not the Gulf Coast the Gulf the Middle East import food like they've always done well there's a, gonna be a lot of reasons to that and we'll have to explain that, that all in the next episode but one of the biggest reasons is pirates ocean shipping only works because America keeps it safe America's gone and so think things are just running off of momentum. And it won't be specifically pirates, as in the, the, your thoughts of like pirates of the Caribbean, it'll be more along the lines of privateering. And I already gave one example of that. China won't be able to import oil because any oil that anyone tries to import to China, India can just easily steal for their own people. And if your people are struggling with oil needs, Due to collapse, everything collapsing. You're not going to let it go to your enemy. You're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that goes to you. And with the cl- and that'll be the case for everyone in Europe as well. And so it's all going to be a big mess. Big mess. Due to the collapse of trade, manufacturing will collapse because there just won't be goods being like you can't transport all the materials needed for something. Then, If you can't transport all the materials for something, like, for instance, a car, well, then you just have a really heavy, ex- exuberantly expensive paperweight. So because of all of this, ships will be, have to be faster and smaller, meaning only valuable goods like food and oil will get transported on the ocean, meaning it will be going back to the old atom if it's on a ship. It's probably worth stealing, because it has to be valuable enough to make it profitable for small ships who are fast to ship it. Which will then mean more privateering and pirates will be a thing. And due to this, cities and particularly countries like China will collapse hard. And we'll explain more about China if we haven't already explained it in the previous book enough. But cities in particular are going to collapse hard because historically a city could only get so big Because it had to be able to rely on the countryside to supply it with all its needs. Globalization ended that because now the entire world was your countryside. And historically that wasn't a problem because cities were the right size for their countrysides. Now we have 80 years of globalized growth suddenly being turned off for the majority of the population of the world. So lots of cities will collapse. Lots of people will have to flee to the countryside. And I guess that's a really good spot to end for today's episode and plug my Zion home design. I'll be doing official announcements later, but if you're interested in a self sufficient lifestyle, particularly outside in the countryside, that you can do affordably, go check out my TikTok, Nathan Dickinson, for more information on that. With that, I will see you all next week for part two of The End of the World is just the beginning. And I'll record it after I don't have frickin' hiccups.